0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joining with us over in uh, Stevens Point and uh, the Fox Valley, as well as all the people Amen. You may be seated. And again, it's good to have all of you with us and as well as those over in our campuses. Glad that you're joining. hopefully this has been a meaningful worship experience so far. (laughs) So I don't know what it's like for you guys at the other campuses, but this place is really, really full here. and And it's like... So we just had our meeting. Uh, We're going to go to two services or not. La, 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 la. So, well, we haven't seen a real dramatic increase yet, so we probably won't, blah, blah, blah. And this is blowing everything that we just said out the door. So what are we going to do, Pastor? Apparently, we don't know. So hang in there with us. Uh, so, So the thing is, is this real or is this just a fluke that everybody showed up on the same day? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, Anyway, before we go on with our service, we want to pause to take our offering. Um, Those of you who uh, attend Celebration Church on a regular basis have signed up for recurrent giving. That means it automatically happens. Um, I spoke last week about how a lot of churches today don't even take offerings because like 90% of the people have signed up for recurrent giving. And I didn't know what our percentage was. We found out. 27%. Now, that's fine. It really is. Uh, There's a lot of people I've talked to in our congregation who don't want to do recurrent giving. They like to come here and give as an act of worship in person. And I have no problem with that. So, you know, just because a lot of other people are doing it doesn't mean we have to do it. In fact, we do all kinds of things nobody does. So, (laughs) why change now? You know what I'm saying? So, if if this is going to be, if this is the way we always will do offerings from here to kingdom come, I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, those of you who do, it does make it a lot easier uh, and certainly helpful for us for budgeting purposes. But uh, we have no problem with people waiting till that day to give. Uh, if you have cash or a check you'd like to give, you can do that on the way out of your campus this morning. There'll be people at the doors and you can put it in. Then eventually we're going to get back to passing the bucket again. Uh, some people say, you know, I want it because I want my children to see it. I want my children, I want my grandchildren to see that we are honoring God financially. So that's, instead of some computer doing it back in Zombieland. So uh, we're absolutely fine with that. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, we have so much of a cashless society. A lot of people give on uh, using their phones, which is what I do. And I'm going to give in my offering right now. The way you can do this on your phone is you take your phone and you send a text message to this number. 77977. And there it is. And then you just type in C C W I stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin, CCWI, and then the dollar amount. Do, 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 do. And you don't have to put the dollar sign, do you? All right. And then, I can. I didn't. And it worked. And they put the dollar sign on it. Okay, great. So that's how you can do that. Just take your phone and type in uh, uh, center text at 77977 CCWI, and then the dollar amount, and then automatically. The first time you do it, you'll have to set up your debit card or however you give, which most people use cards at some point for everything nowadays. You just put that in there one time, and then it automatically just takes care of it. So there. Just like that. Let us move on. This morning, we are uh, uh, in the season of Lent. This is the second Sunday in Lent. And um, last week, we talked about the covenant of baptism and some of the implications with that. Uh, today we're talking about the covenant of faith. We're going to look in Genesis, the 17th chapter. All right? We're going to go through this chapter together. Let's see what we can learn this morning. Chap- chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old. <laughs> Get your header <hitter> on that. <laughs> He's 99. I say, well, people lived a lot longer back then. Yeah, not so much by this time. Uh, in the very early, they lived for, according to the Scriptures, hundreds of years, a lot of these people. Uh, and then it all of a sudden started to change. It started to change after the flood. Those who uh, accept these concepts, uh, and many scientists do actually, certainly Christians, very devout Christians do, they uh, say that they believe there was a massive change in the ecosystem in the, on the world after the flood and stuff. It was a, a big deal. And right after that, all of a sudden lives started. So this is much more like what we have today. People living around 100 years give or take, he, get, he gets another 20, I think. It's 120 when he finally passes away. So this is much more normal time. So this isn't in the days of we live for 500 years. This is the days of we don't live that long. <laughs> and he's now at 99, so he's at the end. So the Lord appears to Abram and says, I don't know, a vision, dream, whatever the deal is, an angel. He says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless, which he's been trying to for a long time now. He's 99. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So Abram falls face down before God. Obvious thing to do when God appears before you, something like that. Angel, you fall down. Uh, And uh, God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will now be Abraham, which means father of a multitude." It's quite the name change here. Now he's the father of a multitude. For I made you father of many nations. The first thing that we notice here is that God immediately starts to call Abram, Abraham. He now calls himself Abraham. Everywhere he goes, I'm Abraham, father of a multitude. Uh, Yet he only has the one son through uh, uh, Sarah's maidservant. The backstory, if you don't know what it is, is God promised that uh, Abram was going to be the father of many nations, which he repeats here. So, Sarah never gets pregnant. And they're getting older and older and older. And finally, Sarah said, and you know, it's easy to criticize it, but in reality, you can certainly see their thinking. If God promised this, and I can't get pregnant, there must be another way to doing it. And so, it's not even that critical. There's times where, you know, you're doing something, you're doing something, doing something, and it doesn't seem to work, then you go to plan B, right? You just don't stay in one place. So, and God never condemned them for doing this. God wasn't mad at them. This is a normal thing to do. A lot of us, uh, you know. And I, in fact, I think it's kind of smart to, if you keep hitting your head against the wall, at some point, go another direction. Right? Those two who just, dee, 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 Why isn't it working, Pastor? I don't know, your head's bleeding. Why don't you go another direction? So there's no problem here. So, so Sarah says, "We'll take my maidservant, which was in those days, you know, we're talking ancient cultures here, um, the servants of the wife was basically considered another wife or an option to be another wife to the husband. So she says, here, take the maid servant, have a child. So that's what he does. So he's assuming at this point, well, this is how it's going to happen. His name was Ishmael. And uh, so so he says to him again, you know, you're going to increase the numbers and you're going to be great. And now I'm changing your name to Abraham. Now, at 99, it's like, I think this ship has sailed. You know, we're talking about this still now? And you want me to change? Okay, okay. And listen, any person of faith understands when you read the scriptures, how the Bible often talks about who we are in faith. We are the children of God. We are the righteousness of God. In other words, this incredible transfer happens. By faith, when we come to Christ and put our faith in him, he takes everything that is wrong with us and gives us everything that is right about him. Now, even to get your head around that is difficult to do because you think, I don't feel that way. I still have issues. You're telling me I'm walking around with everything that's right about Jesus? According to the scriptures, yes. Say, well, I don't feel that way. Apparently, it doesn't matter how you feel. It's what God says that matters in the end. And the more you start to accept the way God looks at you, the more it starts to transform you. Somebody say amen. People want to see this point said it again. Amen. All right. So um, uh, that's a big deal. So this is what we see here. Abram Abraham starts saying, I'm Abraham. God sees him in a different light. Uh, I'm sure he's having a hard time even getting his head around this, but uh, he, he goes along with this. So, and then God continues to say, I will make you very fruitful. Really? <laughs> he says, I will make, and he's about to make it worse in a minute. All right. So this is what he's saying. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Now, if you look at the timeline it's a long time before this happens, you know. Some, you know, God's timing and ours is not the same. His timing can be a little frustrating. I got to tell you, because <laughs> it would be nice to like, hey, come on, chop chop, let's move it along. I'm a get it kind of, get it done kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna do something. Let's just do it. What are we chatting about? Let's move on. Well, God makes it a de- declaration, and sometimes it can take a while before it happens. What the challenge is not to give up hope during the wait. Yeah, that's the hard part, right? Well, it's taking a while. I I know, I know. Sometimes it takes a long time. Anyway, so uh, it's a long time. All this happens, you know, then the children of Israel eventually go into Egypt. 400 years later, they're all slaves. Moses comes along, pulls them out, 40 years, and then finally they go in and get the land of Canaan. So anyway, it's one thing to imagine and dream of endless possibilities when you're young and your whole life is in front of you. When you're young, anything's possible, right? And we encourage our young people. You, you can be anything. You can do anything. And, and my mother always told us, you're great and can do anything because you're a gunger." And, and it took decades before I figured out that didn't mean a thing. But it really <laughs> burned into my head. And even at some of the most discouraging times of my life, I can still hear my mother's voice saying, You can do anything, you're a gagger. yes! <laughs> and on I would plod. So, uh, God bless you, Mom. Um, but how, how does one process promises of greatness when there's very little to start with? You're 99 years old. He's giving this incredible picture of his future. And how do you begin to process that? You know? Some of us even come to faith later in life. You know, a lot of people I, I talk to in our congregation, wherever we're at, and I'll talk to people and say, man, this is so awesome. I wish I would have done this earlier in my life, right? You know, I, all the mistakes I made, the failed relationships I've had, messed with kids and everything else that I did, and all the financial disasters and not, But you know what, even when you come later in life, your life is still full of unlimited potential. You say, I, I don't believe that, that's your problem. <laughs> You don't believe it. You need to change the way you think and to realize that with God, nothing is impossible. When we plug into God, we are plugged into endless possibilities. Even if you're a geezer. Amen. Amen. All the geezers said amen. amen. That's a lot of geezers. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and you've made mistakes. Anybody there? Yeah, all you sinners out there. So all these things... And even in spite of that, we are plugged into God, almighty God. It's like, wow. All right, they're getting Pentecostal on me this morning. All right, so now. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) So so then God says to Abram, now as for you, so he makes this promise. This is what I'm going to do for you. Now this is what you got to do for me as part of this covenant. He says, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you for the generations to come. Now, you have to understand, at this point, you think, oh, he's got to obey the Ten Commandments. That doesn't exist yet. These people have nothing. They don't know anything about God. Even Abraham knew very little about God. It until, I don't know what the timeline is, a long, hundreds and hundreds of years before, uh, actually, it might be thousands, before Moses shows up and gives the Ten Commandments. So, They know very little except to honor me, respect my name and do what I tell you to do, but he hadn't really told much of anything. So he says, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. And he institutes the covenant of circumcision, which if you don't know what that is, (laughs) it's when they cut the end of your wee-wee off and all the men said, ouch, all right, so some do that today, some don't, whatever. I don't want to know. I promise you, I don't want to know. But this, this is what he says. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. And this tradition went as, even to this day in Jewish culture. At eight days, they circumcised them including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. It was a time of slavery and stuff. Those who are not your offspring, everybody you are in contact that's living in your house, and is part of your world, must, all the men must be circumcised. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant uh, in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people for he has broken my covenant. And then verse 23 says, On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, uh, and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them. As God told him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day and every male in Abraham's house, including those born in his household or bought, bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Whew. Okay. So, I look at this and I think, can you imagine Abraham selling this idea? <laughs> right? I tell you, we don't realize what these people, you know, God has made a covenant with us. woo we're going to be his people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's given us a sign that nobody else is going to have. Yes, all right. What is it? <laughs> Well, God wants us to, what is that, a haircut? No, no, a tattoo. It is lasting like a tattoo, but he he wants us to cut off the end of our willies. Now, no one had ever done this, ever, ever. What goes through one's mind? <laughs> Will my Willie even work after such a thing? I was. Just, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be f- ridiculous here. This is shocking. These guys go. What? Come on, man. God made my arms this long for a reason. You know. I, don't do that. And and. <laughs> it, actually, it works just like that. You can try later at home and see. Apparently, this is to be protected at all times because everyone's arm is exactly that long. Uh, so, so so the the horror. This is a horrifying thing. And it's one thing when you're eight days old, you have no record recollection of this happening. It's another when you're 99 or 13 or all this. So everybody gets chop 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 that day. Whoo! Whew! whew. What does this mean? God knows how to get a guy's attention. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, what about circumcision? There's some interesting things about circumcision, even to us today. Now, Christians do not have to do this. You understand that, right? Now, in the, Amen. The, the early church, actually, when you read the book of Acts and a lot of the early epistles, you'll see them arguing about circumcision. A lot of these, because mo- virtually everybody who was a Christian in the early church I don't know how long this went on for a long time. They were all Jewish. They didn't even think non-Jewish people could be Christians. Every Christian at that time were all very devout Jewish people. And then when they started sharing the gospel with non-Jews and seeing that they were getting saved and God was filling them with the Holy Spirit and doing miracles, this is blowing their minds. Oh, God is accepting the Gentiles. Okay, great. But now they must be circumcised. And they had a huge argument about this. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Paul in, in Galatians at, at, when he's writing it's one of the funniest things ever he's so angry at these people he says I wish these guys would just go the whole way and cut the whole thing off <laughs> you think I get mean you know I mean he was really intense about it and they had these big so finally the church you read this in Acts what chapter 19 whatever the, the, the church fathers all got together and they had this big fight about this and finally decided no no You can come to Jesus and not be circumcised. To which I say, may the name of the Lord be praised. Because this is hard enough for you guys to come to church. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Welcome to celebration. Glad that you're here. (laughs) Hope you consider joining. We will, of course, need to cut off the end of your willy, but we're glad you're here. I mean, come on. But what can we learn from this? Number one, Seriously, God knew how to get a guy's attention. There's very few things that men have more focus on than right here. All right? So number one, what was it? It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable and it hurt. Which, there's a part of faith actually that is uncomfortable and it's supposed to hurt. Uh, Even during this time of Lent, if you've joined in with Lent with us, um, this is 40 days of giving something up. Uh, And if you gave something up, and you don't hardly notice it, you didn't do this right. <laughs> you should, whatever you're giving it up, it should sting a little. bit. It should hurt a little bit. You should go, I really miss that. You know, we groan every other day about it. You know, the good news is we are part of the Christian tradition that literally does the 40 days. Sundays are off. Hallelujah. <laughs> so today's off. Uh, but then we go back into giving up this whatever. So, um, So, you know, there's this thing. Jesus actually says in uh, Luke, the ninth chapter, verse 23, he says to them all, all, everybody, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. There is a part of faith that is a little discomforting and painful, particularly this idea of denying yourself. That's what Lent is about. And we live in a culture today that people celebrate being as selfish as you could possibly be. And very, and all kinds, people do all kinds of crazy things. And people say, Oh, oh, that's just wonderful. Oh, you're just being true to yourself. And people say, oh, you know, I'm doing such a because I just have to be true to who I am. And Oh, it's so wonderful. You know, and I see Christians doing this. Now, I don't expect anything out of non-Christians. I do not. All my adult life. I have never understood why Christians got upset by what non-Christians were doing. Who cares? They don't know what they're doing, right? Well, they're doing such and such. They're doing such. Okay. We don't do that. I don't understand that, right? So what's disturbing to me is how many Christians today, I'll see them on social media, so somebody's doing some weird thing, and they all go, oh, oh, we're so glad to just be true to yourself. Horse manure. This is not the Christian message. We do not live to be true to ourselves. The Christian message, we are to deny ourselves. Your flesh is not your friend. Doing everything you feel and you think it frees you and celebrates you is not healthy for you. This is not what the Christian message is all about. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, I could preach more on that, but I won't because then I'll make everybody mad. All right. So, number one, circumstances are uncomfortable. Number two, it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> Man, am I glad I wasn't in that line? <laughs> you know, uh, and sometimes faith can get a little embarrassing. It's true. In fact, if you ever feel a little embarrassed for being a Christian, that's actually a good thing because the Bible talks about the shame of the cross. There is so Don't condemn, oh, I feel so bad because I was a so little ashamed. No, but what it says is embrace the shame because at some point what we do and we believe doesn't make any sense to the natural mind. You see what I'm saying? To especially someone without faith, they don't get it and they mock it and make fun of it. Okay, okay, but we embrace that shame. We hug it and we hang on to it and we don't hide our faith. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. Yes, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. We should never deny who we are or in whom we believe, no matter how we feel. And if it feels a little embarrassing, hug it, embrace it, kiss it. It's all part of identifying with the cross. Of Christ. So, number one, it's a little painful. Number two, it's certainly a little embarrassing. Uh, and without question, it makes one a little vulnerable <laughs> to have someone doing that to you. Uh, and, and there is a vulnerable part of faith where one has to truly open up themselves and uh, let God deal with us. A lot of times we, we kind of hide and we say, well, Lord, you can deal with this area of my life, but you can't in this area. And this is off limits, but you can deal with this. No, no, you have to understand, for God, everything's game. Everything's free game. Every part of your life, everything that you struggle with, you need to be open to letting God deal with that. Psalm 139, verse 23, the psalmist cries, uh, writes out, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. He's literally praying for God to, to, to Making himself very vulnerable for God, letting him know there's nothing off limits. And from that, we grow in our faith. So now, uh, continuing in verse 17, back in gen- or 15, back in Genesis. So then God says to Abraham, As for Sarai, or Sarai, or however they say it, uh, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name is to be Sarah. So that's now where we get Sarah and Abraham. Uh, oftentimes we think of these people, this is what they were called all their lives. They are very old. He's 99. She's, what, 90 at this point, where their names changes, Abraham and Sarah. He said, I will bless her, and I will surely give her a son, uh, give you a son by her. Well, now nah, this is messing with your head. It's the one thing, God, I'm going to do this incredible thing. I'm going to make you the father of nations, and kings are going to come for your line. He's thinking Ishmael. Of course he would. But then God comes back to the thing, no, when I said Sarah, I meant Sarah. It's going to happen by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations and kings of peoples will come from her. And then Abraham, face down, laughs. (laughs) And he says to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? You know, the circus has packed up and left town, folks, at this point. In a physical thing, this is just, it's just not possible. But remember, when you connect to God, all things are possible. Amen. But initial—but even if you say, oh, pastor, I struggle. Well, welcome to the club. Sarah <laughs> didn't get up, uh, whatever his name was, Abraham didn't get up, go, praise the Lord, okay, let's go. He didn't, t- he, he laughed oh, come on! Come on! There's no way! I mean, that's what your head first says. Sometimes God's promises just seem too good to be true. And you know that when you read the... Some of you, you know where you really struggle? When it comes to giving money, which we talked about earlier. You know the scriptures. Talk about, if you give, God will bless you more than you give. He will open up the windows of heaven. Those who are generous will be greatly blessed by God. And the measure that you bless is the measure that God will bless you with. We've used this analogy in the past. A lot of people use a little tiny teaspoon of blessing, and then God says, okay, that's what you get back. Why why aren't I more greatly blessed? Because you're cheap, that's why. And you you live in fear, and you have this this poverty mentality that really presides in uh, northern Wisconsin. I see it all the time. There is just a poverty mentality. There's never enough. The pies are limited. We can't do more than what the pie says. And you know, couples struggle with this when when sometimes in second marriages, they can't love the other kid more than their own kid because uh, there's only so much love. Everything to them is always limited. I I can't do it, I can't do it, everything. And, and, And it's ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. There is no limit. With God, all things are possible and there are no limitations. We are not talking a bath here. We're talking the ocean. You can take as much water out of the ocean as you want. And some of you struggle. I know you don't do it. I get it. And the reason is because it's too good to be true. Can't be true. And I'm telling you, it's true. And we could have 20 people get up and all with testimonies, all kinds of testimonies around here where people say, I've done it. You should see. This is amazing. And you can still hear it. And you're still going to go, It's too good to be true. Where's my teaspoon? You know, and, and that's where you live. You live in teaspoon land and, and, that, and you wonder why, you're, why, you're, why your life stinks. Uh, it is what it is, right? I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just saying, you want buckets of blessings? You got to learn to start working with buckets instead of being a little teaspoon kind of a person. And the reason why it's a difficult thing is it just seems too good to be true. And when it, and, and that's fine. Abraham thought, seriously? How can this happen? But in spite of that, looking at it, and everything in his life says, there's just no way. His answer was, okay. Okay. And he believed God, which is just incredible. Uh, Abraham was more of a candidate for the blue pill than than fatherhood, I got to tell you. And, uh, and they didn't have that back then. My guess is everything had left town. And, then, and at some point, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happened, but... <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm not going to say it, but all, my God. all of a sudden, whoa. <laughs> and looks at Sarah, and says, don't look at me that way. And all of a sudden, he goes, ooh, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, wow! That, I, wow. That was... That, 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 so, I ain't never bringing my children to church again, I'll tell you that right now. They talk about all kinds of stuff, and we don't talk about that kind of stuff in our house. Well, you should. Amen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you people come. So anyway. So we read about it in Romans. The fourth chapter is out of the New Testament. Paul writes, against all hope. What do you mean? It's impossible. This cannot happen. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. He was just like you. He was just like me. He saw it. He, He laughed. He says, I don't think so but in spite of what looking at the reality of it, look some of you guys you know we talk about God can change something in your life and you think there's just no way do you know why because you've been that way so long God can't fix our marriage God can't fix this God can't fix my finances God can't whatever my health whatever situation and we just think you know there's no answer anymore and I'm telling you when we plug into God we plug into unlimited possibilities so against all hope Abraham said, okay, my name is Abraham. And sometimes you got to say things even though your head doesn't agree with it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. But you know what? The thing is he kept in front of him. Every time he said Abraham, he reminded himself of God's promise. And God told him, the, 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 the stars, your, your children will to be more than the stars of the sky. And I don't know if you've ever been uh, somewhere uh, really remote, like crivets. No, actually, not even crivets. We have not played some crivets. But I mean, seriously remote where there's no light anywhere. And look at the sky. It is stunning to behold. It, uh, the most dramatic experience I ever had, we were in the Andes Mountains. And we were in a helicopter up there, and we camped out for the night, which creeped me out because I'm not much of a camper. But uh, uh, we're with these people, and I, I'll never forget that night, looking up and Oh, my word. People for thousands of years of human history looked at that all the time. We can't even see it. You live in town, anywhere. Near, you, know, you look at it, uh, I see that little, oh, there's the big difference. When there's no other light, it's like a picture display you cannot imagine. It is, just fills the sky. If you ever get a chance to go in the middle of nowhere, do it. Amen. All right. Because you got to see this. Anyway, so every time Abraham would look out and he'd see those stars, he would remember. He'd remember, see? The, the reminder is always in front of him. That's one of the reasons why you want to read the Bible. I got to shut up, but I'm having so much fun. Uh, <laughs> why, why do we read the Bible? Why do you come to church? A constant reminder, constant reminder. Some of you right now are going, oh, you know, you're right. I forgot about that. I, I need it. We want to keep these things in front of us because Abraham, every time he look up, every night look at My descendants are going to be more than that. And it's quite a sight. Every time. And he just kept this. And every time, what's your name? uh, Abraham. Abraham. He started talking differently. He started thinking differently. And faith explodes into his heart. And he believes God in spite of the fact that it's just flat out impossible. And God does a miracle without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. See, that's really the kicker. When you start to realize that God has the power to do anything, wow, that changes everything. It's very, it's amazing. And, and he tied and then God did, and we are now all descendants of Abraham. By faith, he goes on to write. Not only did he say, does this apply to the Jewish nation? This applies to everybody by faith. That's why he's the father of multiple nations. He becomes a father of faith that touches all of humankind because he did one thing that so many people struggle to do. He just flat out believed God. And it was credited to him for righteousness. And the point was, and they were arguing about circumcision in the law. You see a lot of this. And because they said, well, Moses said, his. but remember, Abraham was the father. He didn't have the law. He didn't have any of this stuff. He was not justified by following the Ten Commandments and going to church every Sunday and make sure I do this rule or that. He said he was justified by faith. He trusted God, and that's how we are justified to this very day. Amen. So we're going to take our time of communion together. We're going to uh, get ready to share this uh, wonderful thing that we talk about, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Remember, this incredible transfer happens. Everything that's wrong with you goes to him. Everything that's right about him comes to you. It, is, it would be like me coming to you and say, listen, what would you think if I gave you all my money and I take all your debt? Most of you would go, praise the Lord. Right? This is what happens. He takes all our debt and he gives us all his riches and righteousness. It's an amazing, incredible thing. This is what we celebrate when we take communion. We remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, his body broken, his blood shed so that we could be made whole. All right. And the Bible says before we do this, we should stop and reflect. And let's do that right now. Let's all bow our heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Uh, And if something comes to your mind that you think, you know, I shouldn't have done such and such, just talk to God about it as we do this. Ask him to forgive you. Keep short accounts with God. So Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves if we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we've done, something we shouldn't have done, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. He is our sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would keep us in eternal life, that we can walk and celebrate this wonderful life that connects us with a God with whom nothing is impossible. And if you're right now, you have your head bowed and you're praying with us and you're thinking, you know, I've never done this. Maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been here a hundred times and whatever. Maybe you're watching online, you're not even sure how you found us. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, why don't you do it right now? Ask him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins. You can experience this wonderful transfer where he takes your sin away and gives you his great blessings. All of this is possible. Because of the sacrifice that he made on that cross. Amen.